and we're back. Oh, there you are. <laughs> what Can happened you there? I, maybe internet. I don't know. Maybe it oh, cut right, out. Okay. Um, yeah, right. There's got to be a backstory to that pro frame because that can't have just been a random appeared in a shop one day and you're like, oh. The backstory, what, you mean how it came about that there was a pro frame? Yeah. Well, um, well, I was, well, I don't know. I was, I was a big deal, Dave, wasn't I, on K2? <laughs> you're a big deal in the UK. And weirdly, there was a point where the UK was like selling more skates than the US, which was just a really bizarre period well i think look i'd convinced someone at k2 enough that i was a big deal enough to uh to put a name on a frame um probably because like i just had like a few photos in unity magazine in a row and then someone at k2 kind of went oh yeah he you know they had a, a meeting and i just happened to be the guy that had most photos in the magazine that week or that year and uh yeah so <laughs> i guess i guess i don't know I don't know why they gave me a point for him. Right. I wonder I'm how sure Louis Zamora should have should have had it instead. It's, it's so it's so weird that they just totally missed out on the opportunity to they could have they had so many iconic riders that they could have really capitalized on using their names and they just didn't. Um, well K two have done some weird shit over the years, haven't they? In terms of like promotion. They've done some really weird shit. Yeah, their comeback to that being one of them was was really ill thought out yeah and when I, I interviewed the guy that was in charge of marketing and he just he he had no idea yeah k2 have had a knack of taking on people who weren't skaters we do a lot of this taking on people who are you know i remember at one stage i think someone who was working for sab the car company had like joined k2 you know and well of course of course they're making weird decisions if a guy from Saab is there doing marketing or maybe, maybe he wasn't in marketing, maybe he was in engineering or something. But yeah, they, they, they've done that a lot over the years. They had people who weren't really skaters running those sides of things. And I guess like in a way they've done some cool innovative stuff too. And you can see, you can see why you'd bring someone in from outside of skating to come up with, with ideas, but it's not always worked, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't even mean to ask you about the frame thing. That was, that was, I was leading on to something else. So as a shop owner, and then later, as someone that was sponsored in skating, running a shop, and then having brands, you've, we've obviously been in contact since platform started, and skaters have spoken about relationships breaking down between the skater and the sponsor. And I appreciate that there's obviously two sides to every story, and we're obviously only hearing one side of it. So... I was just curious, as someone that's been on both ends of the spectrum, what your what your take is on that, on on why these relationships break down, or how it can be avoided, or just your as someone that's an outside objective voice, like what you think of it all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm unique in that I um, I guess I'm a I'm a skater as well as a somebody runs companies. Um, I'd say. I guess I identify as a skater more than I do as a business owner. Um, but yeah, I definitely with companies sometimes when, when you hear these, um, and it's really easy for someone to jump online and talk about how they're mistreated by, by a company, isn't it? But 
and of course skate companies don't have a good track record of treating people well there's definitely things that have that have happened over the years that that warrant you know people slating them online but you've got to think it's simple isn't it all it is is it's an agreement between two people and i think some people sometimes people see it like it's not an agreement it's like what we were talking about earlier like if both parties agree to it it doesn't matter what the deal is you both agree to it yeah if, you know if alex bosco agrees that he's going to get paid one dollar a set of skates by you know versus or you know not saying that was that that makes it sound like that was a thing but it's <laughs> it's you know it's, it's the record alex bosco didn't actually god knows what he got from rollerblade it could have been that yeah who knows but it's um yeah i just think it's i think like maybe sometimes i think that everyone could just like get over it and grow up a bit and realize that it, you know stop complaining about having a bad deal when you didn't negotiate a good deal you know just say no if, if a skate company comes to you and says we're going to give you this much money to do this and you're not happy with that then you can just say no and then everyone just walks away and it's fine this is true and i appreciate that perspective but and i know skaters who have done that like carson starnes got offered a pro skate from razors and the conditions he just was not impressed with so he went i'd rather just not have a pro skate and i think that shows a lot of integrity and yeah i thought that was really because it was one of the first times i'd ever heard of that happening in blading because people just normally take whatever they can get but i think the problem with that is for every person that has integrity and says i'm not going to let you take advantage of me in this way someone else is willing it is just happy to step into their place and go yeah cool take advantage of me and maybe they'll be pissy about it after they've been dropped by whatever brand it is whether you know it's usd razors you know salomon rollerblade whatever back in the day but in the first instance they take it up because the, the childhood dream outweighs the reality and they go i just want my name on a skate yeah. and then when they realize they've got their name on a skate but they've got nothing else i think that's when it sets in they go oh wow i just let someone mug me off basically so i think it's really easy yeah. to say just don't yeah, accept I guess the it deal but it would take it would take an entire yeah, generation it, of guess, people to not take the deal for it to have any effect because otherwise they can just find someone else that will you know fit into that place yeah and well this is why when we sponsor we do like incentive schemes only i think it's um there's been too many fallings out between skaters and skate companies it obviously it's going to take a lot for both people to see eye to eye, isn't it? Like you never, it's always going to be some discrepancy. Like what the skate is either not going to be doing enough or the company is not going to be giving them enough. And I think just the best way around that is to just always have an incentive scheme, always be paying, you know, for what that the skater is providing in return for something you know, pay yeah. per, yeah, pay, you know, per how many pairs of skates sold works but i think uh retainer i think retainer payments yeah is where where the um disputes might come up because how do you quantify how much a certain amount of promotion is worth yeah to a company like how do you say like oh 
you can't you can't quantify how many pairs of skates Alex Bosco sold for Rollerblade. Let's just say Rollerblade because it's so long ago. And it's, I mean, the nearest thing you can do is say like, we're going to put your name on a skate and give you this many dollars per pair sold. And as long as we both agree that that's how many dollars per pair sold you're getting, everything is going to be fine. So I think like, yeah, I think the way that we do it is to try and try and do it per, you know, just in incentivized payments. Like we would pay per Instagram post that we used for someone or per set of bearings sold, you know, these things rather than kind of give them a yearly payment. Cause it's always ends in tears, doesn't it? When there's a yearly payment. Well, because there's no way for that to be a mutually beneficial agreement. It's just physically impossible. Someone is going to get the short end of the stick in that. Because, yeah. like, say, for example, I think all long-term standard sponsorship deals are stupid. Like, there's people, even in the UK, who've been on certain brands for years, and the brand's not really getting much in return for them getting free product. And, you know, exactly. I can think, in, and you, you start thinking about it in terms of money and you're like well say you know a pair of skates is like i don't know 100 pounds or 100 dollars cost and over the course of a decade that skaters had like i don't know 20 pairs of skates and you're like have they really created like several thousand pounds worth of content for that person for that brand and then you're like i can't remember the last time i saw a section from that skater and then when you start looking at i think there's it's really easy to say that brands take advantage of skaters, but I can think of there's probably been a lot more examples of skaters taking advantage of brands over the years. I was just going to say, like for every for every brand that hasn't paid their skater enough, which has been plenty of, imagine how many skaters there are who haven't given enough promotion to a brand. That's what you I mean. Know, like you got to think. Like <laughs> there was a worrying period where it seemed it seemed like every person that got a pro skate dropped off the face of the earth. Like, do you remember that? Like someone someone would work really hard towards getting a pro skate. Like they'd have these epic sections and you'd be like, God, that was my favorite section from that skater. And then they'd get a pro skate. And then it felt like that year their career would end. Like they'd get the skate and then they'd just disappear. Like Jeff Frederick got a pro skate from USD and within a couple of years he was gone. But why? What do you mean? What, because... Don't know. It just felt like... or like these people would get pro skates when they'd already like Robert Leavanos got a pro USD and he was basically done. Gonzo Jacquez got a pro USD. He was basically, he was already, and they weren't even skates that those guys were riding. They were like different models to what people were familiar with seeing them skate. Yeah. It's or like random Josh Petty had that like Lakers skate. And I was like, he's never skated a Grycon in his life. Why is, <laughs> why is he getting, why is he getting pro? Like this makes no sense. So, or that Lakers skate, man. Um, or the most recent, or, you know, Aragon got the Aragon six and Aragon had already publicly quit skating. He was like, I'm done. Fuck this. Yeah. And but then, he still sold them skates, yeah, didn't so, he? His so, name. That, that, that you could bring out an Aragon now and it would sell oh, skates. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. But there, there was a period where you just felt like these companies are getting the kind of rough end of the stick. Or even a recent example, you know, Montre had the pro wheel from BHC. He released a promo that wasn't, it wasn't, you know, his best skating anyone can see that he he cannot deny that and then literally a month later he's like oh i'm i've got a new wheel sponsor and you're like cool that but that brand's now stuck with all your stock and you've yeah well i, I maybe 
we don't know i don't i'm not sure if they made loads and loads of those wheels so like i think hopefully like mark would have sold out those wheels before he got stuck with them and before montre moved on and yeah. i think because those guys are those guys are you know that friends they're on good terms and they're yeah. mates so I, i'm sure montre wouldn't have wouldn't have left him with loads of stock yeah but yeah it's definitely happened in the past that's for sure that's what i mean and like stuff goes out of date before it's even been released essentially like that's what happened with the Vibralux Valoscape like that got announced uh, literally a month before them get announced that was a fuck up yeah and it's like was. well they're screwed because they've instantly got a product that's out of date and the worst thing you can be in blading is out of like it's not like they're a legacy brand like Salomon or you know or something that people have nostalgia for it's like that's just a dead brand yeah, no, I feel bad for for AJ for those Vibralux skates because what what were they? They were like a Valo Team skate as well. They weren't like a V13 either, so they were a bit difficult, a bit hard. Were they? Were they? It was, they were a Team skate, weren't they? It was. Yeah, it was like a skinned. Yeah, just a skinned Valo skate. Valo, yeah, which is harder to sell, obviously, because it's more expensive. Yeah. Than a V13 skate and less popular. Well, by then so, they yeah, were just giving it away. Time. By then they were giving them they were giving them away for free if you bought a set of solar frames. Like that's like you buy a set of frames and you get a free skate. That's yeah, you got a feel for it, man. That's really um yeah, really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. I hope they didn't take too much of a loss on that. And another but yeah, thing, we we always we always we always hear man about like the skaters' perspective, don't we? Because the, it's the skaters who are online, and it's the skaters who are talking about and they're getting a raw deal from companies. But you don't see a company go online and talk yeah, about how they've got a raw deal from a skater because it'd just be really unprofessional. And so you, you it, do, it I, wouldn't I, even I matter everyone, if it was true because it would it would do too much damage to their reputation. It's better just to be silent and take the abuse. Yeah, and I, I hope I hope people are objective enough to see that. Because I, I worry sometimes when I read, you know, you know, social media and, you know, how people can be influenced over just like a rumor or something like that. I think, yeah, especially with that skate sponsorship stuff. And there's always two sides to every story, isn't there? It's quite funny. Like, uh, there's a new podcast out called Wax Toaster and it's done by Joey Lunger and, oh God. I Taylor, saw, I, did they do a Don Bruce one? Well, that's what I was going to mention because Dom, I don't know if you've watched it. I watched, I watched it today. about five minutes. So it's kind of fresh in my head. And I love Dom to bits. Known him since he was a little kid. Got all the respect in the world for him. He's a really nice guy. But he said something in it that I was just like, I, he basically said, I don't, I'm a pro skater, but I don't know what that means. And I don't know what's expected of me. And they never pushed him for the specifics on that. On to, can you tell me what you mean? He just kept repeating over and over. I don't know what's expected of me from the companies that I skate for. And I just kind of kept thinking, but that's that's on you to know that. Like you're an adult, you're a grown man. So if you if you don't know what the companies expect of you, it's easy to blame the company and say, oh, the company's not giving the skater clear guidance, or you know, led them in the right direction. But it's like. As an adult, if you don't know, you can't just claim ignorance. It's your responsibility to find out. Tom's another one riding for razors, isn't he? He's riding pro for razors, um, and he's on. He's got a pro wheel with Orange Wheel Company. Yeah, but it's like see That's if you're been the theme of your podcast though, like the razors conversation. Yeah, well, that that was unintentional, but and that's not even can out. It's not even like directed at razors. 
Like you can't claim ignorance in any aspect of adult life and get away with it. You just can't because you're an adult. You like if you get pulled over by the police for doing 70 and they're like, this road's a 50 and you're like, oh, I don't know. The police officer doesn't care. You're getting a ticket. So, yeah, well, I think that would be an interesting. I mean, you should have Dom on because um, that would be an interesting conversation to push him further on because he's like Dom's a really smart guy. And I'm sure he means something by that, which could be like, you know, you could delve into that a bit more. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. I mean, just just you saying that about, you know, it's up to the, the skater to decide. I do kind of, well, I'm not, it's not that I agree with it. It's that as a sponsoring company, my ideal, the, my ideal person to sponsor would be someone that can just freelance and do their own thing. Just come along and be like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Here's, here's some footage, here's an Instagram post and just give it to me and I don't have to do anything. That'd be like the ultimate, the, the, dream, the ultimate the rider. Yeah. Which is why, which is why Nicola Torelli is, is great because he's, he's, he's running our Instagram. So he, he knows, you know, he's, he's just like making his own material and just uploading it himself. And it's great. It's just that you don't need to, you know, you don't need to ask him to do anything. We have like a WhatsApp group, you know, but that works really well, man. And, you know, yeah, yeah, he's, if, he's, not, he's not changed anything. You've just partnered up with him as he continues to do what he was already doing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. He's already a good, a good um, Instagrammer, a good influencer, if that's what you want to call it. But I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying that every skater has to be good at marketing. But yeah, if you wanted to be um, the ultimate sponsored skater, then you'd be a, both a good skater and know how to market yourself really well. And just so you could just take the ball by the horns and do that without the company kind of having to guide you through it. But, you know, again, like, I don't know, it's a contentious issue. Yes. Because there should um, just be good communication between two, two people. Like, who, who, why should Dom have to be good at marketing? You know, he's a really, really good skater. So maybe he, he doesn't want to be like Mr. Instagram. Maybe he just wants to come with a clip and send it off to a a company and that's the end of that unfortunately though he doesn't really get a choice in that well skaters nowadays don't really get a choice in that matter like you have to be you have to be marketing yourself otherwise like alex brosco can get away with putting on you know one instagram clip a month or two because people are looking forward to it and want to see it and it'll get thousands of hits but mm. new skaters don't don't have the legacy and the icon status so they have they have to build that and in order to do that they have to create content that's just there's no way around it you know having having a reputation can only get you so far yeah i think yeah i think you're right and i think all the best most successfully sponsored skaters are creating their own content really well like lomax people like that like what lomax is doing yeah. is going out lomax, every day Montre, yeah people like that understand yeah and joe of course joe yeah like what you know he's he's got a lot of content on his own channels which is like you know almost daily so like these are people who know or have at least learn over the years how to promote themselves um, to make themselves kind of valuable, I guess. But they're brands of their own, aren't they? Those isn't it isn't it funny like I think that's Josie's own point. brand. Yeah. Yeah, like there's I think that's a thing a lot of skaters don't realise, which is quite strange because you can see so many examples of it. Like you've got Nick and Montre and Ricardo 
and Joe, and they're basically like one, they're one people, one person brands. They've, they've made their skills or their personality or their, their content, their, their company. But for some reason, other pro skaters of similar, you know, you want to say levels or whatever, just haven't quite figured that out yet or, or slow to catch on to it. Well, it's just, it's just a sign of the times as well, isn't it? Because, you know, back in the day, you would have just been able to go out and if you were with the right person filming you and you were an amazing skater, then you'd end up on that video or that DVD. Like these days, you've got to have like some understanding of how, how you're going to reach people. Yeah. It's a different, I guess it's a different world we live in now. Yeah. Thought it just occurred to me. Why is there, why is there not been a, a local Times Joe Atkinson collaboration skate with a cut that could that could work have well I yeah just, i mean have i just leaked an sure idea it, that you're going to launch next year <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm sure it would happen but again you got to find the boot so this is true yeah, yeah. and yeah. You, you won't touch anything else except for salmon at the moment so yeah that would make that difficult exactly yeah, yeah. right okay um <laughs> what here's a question what do what do you think would be obviously you've spoke to many skaters over the years you've been a skater what do you think is an appropriate royalty on a pro skate? Because obviously you've seen what them have done and that could appear very generous from the outset, but it might not be particularly practical. I don't know. But uh, no, so it's a good question, man. And yeah, I would say with, so it doesn't, so the, the them thing with Danny was very noble and Danny's going to get paid a bunch of money for it. But like, can, I guess the question is, and John's obviously experimenting with this. He doesn't know either. Uh, can that really work in the long term to pay like that higher royalty on a skate? Because the skate came out and it was 500 quid, right? $500 or whatever it was. Yeah, and you, you can't make every skate 500 quid because then you alienate well, most your of the talk. Well, when it came out, the, the talk, half the talk was, oh, look, Danny's getting his massive payment. And the other half, the other half of people were saying look at the price of this skate that's ridiculous i can never buy that i can never afford that and if you bring out a skate that's too expensive for people to afford then shops are going to get stuck with stock of it and then so maybe you could do it first time around because because as long as you sell the stock to shops in the first place then the skater can get his royalties because you've got the money but the next time that happens and the skate comes out that that's expensive if if the shops haven't sold that skate easily then they're not going to buy as much in. stock yeah so they're not you're not going to be able to sell all, all of it and actually like if i'm really honest i think the danny beer model and john might agree with this because of course he's just experimenting and he's doing it and everything that john does is amazing um but he yeah may i i think personally I think that royalty was not sustainable because it pushed the price of the skate up too high and people weren't ready for a skate that expensive. And I think it's not really So, so, so it doesn't it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter. Like you might get paid twenty-five grand for a pro skate, but if that <laughs> do you know what I mean? If you can't sell that no one's ever gonna get it, you can't sell that skate. You, you know, the next person is not going to get 25 grand for it. You, 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 have to, you have to find a medium that's going to allow the skater to make money, but be enough, you know, not, not too much that, that you can't sell it. It's, yeah. quite, it's pretty simple stuff. 
But if they've managed to shift over a thousand units already, it's obviously selling to some degree because no, John... no, it's selling to shops. Yeah, <laughs> they've, but then... they've shifted a thousand thousand sets to shops. But who knows if the shops have sold sold them? Like but they, then, they sell shop directly as well, don't they? They sell directly from their website as well. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, because I'm sure they said he would get thirty if they sold directly from the shop, and twenty. I think it was something like twenty or twenty five if they sold through other shops. Was that yeah, but again, that? Uh, that sounds about right. But again, like you don't know, like how they, how many have they sold? How many of the yeah, if the shop got yeah. in pre order or whatever, yeah, yeah. So they might have sold a thousand sets to shops, but if those shops are still sitting there with that stock, then yeah, that's it's not a sustainable model. And well, who knows? It it, it might be as long as it sells through. But it just kind of depends how long it takes to sell through as well, because it's all about cash flow and. I, I think it's just a little bit too. I think it was too high because I think, yeah, I, I, th I think it's great that he got a one-off payment like that. But in terms of sustainability and giving skaters in the future that that payment, I don't think it'll be possible to go that high. I think you've got to find a medium where you can sell a skate at a cheaper price, so you're able to sell enough quantity of that skate to give the skater any royalty at all. Yeah. So you do realize you didn't answer my question, right? John, what's the question? W what do you think is an appropriate royalty for a pro skate? You, you said that you thought that was too generous. So where's the where's the middle ground? Where's the the sweet spot where the skaters getting something so, that the brand isn't bankrupting itself? Well, it depends on um, on the production cost of their skate, and like because I don't make skates, it's quite difficult to to know what their margins are. But so what's five hundred dollars, and then what's twenty five five hundred divided by? 25 what's that is it i mean if, if i done the maths right is that 20 percent? is that what i mean i failed higher maths so i'm not going to be able to answer you this a levels whatever you guys call them down in england yeah no i i i would just be stabbing in the dark i would have to sit down with like a bunch of uh figures and a bunch of margins and and figure out how much it costs to produce that skate um but yeah the the you know what's it previously been like i guess if people were making five what were people doing were people doing like five euros like on average a set of skates this is i'm not naming their names but people who have had pro skates who've got money for it that have told me some of them have got a, an incredibly low amount per skate and then some of them have just got a one-off payment up front from the brand being like here's five grand or here's seven grand and that's all you're getting yeah five five grand seems like a because they're not being produced in massive quantities are they so like when you produce a skate it, so this, yeah, this was quite a while ago this was i'm talking i'm gonna say it was almost a decade ago dude question is how many sets of the jay healy k2 skates <laughs> well apart from the one in that shop um i'm gonna go none i think it was a few man Right, okay. I didn't We're, see any royalties, so that, that so wasn't how, an appropriate royalty payment. How big was your check? Yeah, um, you should hit up K two for that and just be like, zero. "Have you guys got a residual waiting for me? Like, is there is, is there yeah, something right. sitting in account? Just just hit them up with an email. Just be like, "Yo, you forgot um, fifteen years ago." Just, just yeah, I don't know. Like, if the top of my head, I'd be like, "Yeah, you should probably sounds sounds like it should be like five percent. Should be like ten ten dollars, euros, pounds." 
per skate if the skate was 200 quid that right. sounds like a good medium but i'm just guessing i'm just yeah but I, yeah like i say like you've got to make it sustainable that's fair enough otherwise no skaters are getting paid at all yeah yeah it's like what's what is the appropriate middle ground that benefits both parties yeah um yeah that is fair enough i've been chewing your ear off for almost two hours i guess the only other thing that I've got left to ask you is what's what's next for you or for local or revolver or do you have any other like projects in mind that you can tell us about or, or are you keeping everything top secret because you're always working on something I know you're always working on something I think um, I think this year would be good because we had such a good year last year and we we're able to kind of put money into making these bigger runs of skates like the Loco Aeon and the Loco Roses. I think I'd really like to do more of those kind of special makeup skates. So just do do that with more brands, like more Loco models. I like that idea, like having something unique that other shops don't have. And I like being able to design a skate as well. Um, but yeah, I think for uh, Loco at the moment, it's actually like, it's quite boring. It's quite a boring answer. It's like quite systems based. Like we're working a lot on stock systems and working a lot on that automation and how to make, make the business run really smoothly, um, you know, and have less mistakes and just be really efficient. So yeah, that's my boring answer. Don't have any exclusives. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> and last question would, so you already mentioned that you guys have branched out into sponsoring free skaters and looking at different avenues of rollerblading apart from aggressive. What, what do you think the future of skating is in terms of making the shop more successful or just in terms of making skating bigger or more sustainable? Um, we've been saying this one for years. It's, and it comes back, it's funny you should mention the free skating thing. It's trying to close the gap between big wheels and small wheels, I think. It's trying to make rollerblading rollerblading rather than different, you know, aggressive skating and freestyle skating. Yeah. Yeah. And it is like the, the more that time goes on, the more they merge, it seems to me, at least. And I think like we're in quite an exciting time at the moment where it seems like these two things are really coming together, especially as everyone's getting older as well. And people are being less like cagey about like, you know, they're an aggressive skater and they're different to someone who's a freestyle skater. People don't care so yeah. much anymore. And people, there's a lot more, um, people are being more liberal, aren't they, about how they, they view, you know, themselves and how they view skating. And I think that would really help, I think. Yeah, I think a coming together of, of everyone just under one umbrella would be be really useful to the sport as a whole. I do think it's really interesting that over the past few years, a lot of aggressive skaters are realising that branching out into that discipline or trying to merge that discipline with ag aggressive or whatever, street skating, whatever you call it, is just the only logical choice as you get older because there's more sustainability in it because your body can take it longer. Like, you know, doing what Nick does, like charging around the streets, doing stair bashes and just being really creative on big wheels because he has taken elements of aggressive skating in it as well. But it also makes him more appealing to the companies that he rides for because he can market a wider range of objects or products. Um, and, you know, like Danny as well. Danny obviously comes from an aggressive background because he was a vert skate, like he did, like, was it vert? 
Oh, he did. Yeah, he did. He did do. He did like Team Extremes shows. Yeah, he did all those virtual shows, and he was known as like the flip guy. And then all of a sudden, and now he's like you know the city skating guy that's telling people you know how to skate and how to stop and how to you know maintain your skates. So it seems like more and more skaters from typically an aggressive background are realizing that a future or creating longevity in blading is by going that route. Yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, like. I mean, Cy Coburn is someone who had just like a handful of, I mean, you could, you can, it's, it's good, isn't it? You can judge people's kind of success on their Instagram following. I mean, I know it's not a foolproof way of doing it, but. Well, in that case, I'm in like, a lot of trouble, but yeah, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but their popularity is a, is a skater, you know? And um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how many followers Cy Coburn had when he was just doing aggressive, but it seemed to like, he seems to have like shot up as this kind of, um, you know, freestyle, big wheel, idol all of a sudden. And he's not doing that much different to what he was doing on aggressive skates. He's just put some bigger wheels on. And so I think that's a really good example of, you know, again, that that crowd, those people that are following that, are like a bit more inf- influenced, a bit more easy to influence. And there seems to be more of them out there kind of engaging with those sorts of skaters. So, and yeah, well, I mean, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, especially well, if you're doing like aggressive tricks as well on a on a on on big wheels, and it's like merging like like what those guys are doing, like what Danny's doing, what Nick's doing, what Sai's doing, what you know, all these guys are doing. Yeah, well, I think that's obviously always been one of the biggest drawbacks of aggressive rollerblading is that from the outset, even if someone makes it look really easy to to a pedestrian for want of a better word, it still looks really intimidating because you're like, holy crap, that guy's just grinding down a 12-stair handrail. Like, there's no way I'm ever going to do that. Or especially yeah. when you see someone fall, you're like, that. to us, it doesn't look that bad, but to them, that looks incredibly painful. So yeah. that's, you know, straight away, you're alienating like 90% of your potential market because they're like, I don't want to get hurt. Whereas free skating doesn't look it very much can be as dangerous because you know they're messing about with like traffic and high speed and stuff like that but it doesn't look as precarious for want of a better word yeah so yeah maybe that's why quad, quad skating took off so well as well and in, in like during lockdown it just like looks a bit more accessible maybe to your average person possibly yeah there's yeah. weirdly enough there's more quad skaters on thursday nights at unit 23 skate park than there is aggressive skaters it's quite funny really? and it's just merged into one massive group of both isn't it isn't it going to be now that because everyone's a bit older doesn't pretty much everyone just own a pair of aggressive skates and own a pair of bigger wheeled skates as well and most people that i know own a pair of each and and, and use them separately potentially I mean, yeah. do you i tried to get a pair of free skates and it was a massive disaster as you might have seen from one of our one of my review videos i got a pair of power slide next and from the moment i put my foot in it i was like i've never felt pain like this with my foot in a skate oh well, get ones that don't hurt you and then well that was it people were like oh why don't you just like heat mode you know when you know like it's got nothing to do with the liner but you know when you put your foot in a skate and you're like this is the wrong shape yeah yeah foot. it just doesn't work for you yeah it was instant I so i tried all the like different liners yada 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 and i hate i can't skate a, a skate with a high heel no so, like, well dude get some get some bigger wheel skates because it's like well oh, good fun i went i went for the old i basically got 
an old pair of them skates that have obviously got like strong cuffs, like not the first generation because they were quite like they weren't as supportive. But the second generation ones, I've got the U ones and I've got like 90 millimeter frames on them. And that's basically what I'm using is. Oh, so you have got recreational okay, skate. So cool. as, as a setup, it's just not on a it's yeah, not yeah. on a specialized skate. But yeah. Yeah, man. I think yeah, I think that's what we're going to see going forward. People just using both, and yeah, that's double the amount of skates being sold. Surely. So, so you're just capitalizing. You're just you're, you're just benefiting from from everyone doubling up on skates. Is that what you're saying? You're like, oh, yeah, it made every, it sound really every, good for me, didn't it? Everyone get an aggressive <laughs> skate set and get a free skate set. Yeah. Yeah. What other what other kind of like discipline can we invent to make people get more skates? This is true. Yeah. <laughs> invent extreme slalom actually uh, from what i understand slalom's a little bit even less inclusive than aggressive is so i can only imagine what that's like yeah I've yeah it's pretty niche man yeah yeah um need to start roller derby but for on blades yeah 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 good sh- well i'll, I'll leave these marketing ideas to you that's how i'm busy but you can yeah. you can start a roller blading derby magazine if you like I think I've realized that nothing I start will ever be like a commercial success. So I think that's probably not the best idea. I think I've realized that being profitable is not one of my strengths. Um, oh, well, but you're doing a great job, man. You're doing like these podcasts are really good. And um, there's not a lot out there that's, you know, of, of really decent quality, you know, so I like them. And I like that you, um, you're, you're good at asking the questions that other people are sometimes afraid to ask. You sometimes ask them controversial questions. I think it, uh, it makes for good viewing. Make for a healthy uh, direct message inbox, but yeah, I'll own that. Oh, you've got the balls to do it. I like it. I've had some, and had I, some you know, colourful threats. Have you? Um, well, I think you've um, addressed issues in the industry as well, which um, you know other people didn't want to do. I've, I didn't see any other podcasts addressing these issues about you know sponsorship and getting those skaters on to talk about their relationship with their sponsors and. I think yes. I think that was the miscommunication. I think some people interpreted it as I was just going after specific brands and attacking them, and that wasn't the intention. The intention was to have an open table conversation about what is expected from the skater, what is expected from the brand, and how you can reach some kind of conclusion where both people benefit. Because it always just seems like one person's getting screwed over. And yes, it's very popular to have the dialogue where it's like, oh, it's the skater. The skater's the victim. The company's the big bad wolf. I don't believe that for a second. And I think there are specific circumstances where that is the case. And there's specific people in the industry that are doing negative things that are without doubt and cannot, you can't say, oh, it's one story. It's, you know, there's two sides to every story. No, that person's been misogynistic or been willfully you know deceitful like stuff like that but i do appreciate that skaters do have to take responsibility for their own situation and carry themselves with a certain degree of responsibility and just say yeah like if if i'm being mistreated i should step away from it because if you just tolerate it and then wait until you're dropped and then complain about it you're basically losing credibility because you you're the one that put up with that situation yeah. You know, if you're sponsored by a brand for 10 years and you don't ever speak out against them, and then the moment you get dropped from the team, then you go, oh, they suck. They treated me really badly. And you're like, well, you're, you're the person that put up with that and you're the person that promoted them the entire time being unhappy. So like, yeah. how are we meant to trust your version of, 
events. Well, dude, you should do um, you should do more controversial subject podcasts. Maybe that's how you get all the all the subscribers. Yeah, you should just do on only him. only podcasts about controversial subjects. Cool. Get get Bo, Bo Coddington on and uh, Josh Petty and ask them about their political viewpoints. Let's go. Yeah. I'm, I'm not that brave. I'm definitely not that brave. Um, yeah, I'm going to be swerving that one big time. But uh, thank you very much for your time tonight. I know you're obviously got a young child and a business to run, so I appreciate it. And yeah, look forward to seeing what's yes. coming next. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me, man. I hope I, I hope it wasn't too uh, boring. It, hope we didn't it, talk about lots of boring industry stuff. It, um, it fed all my my geek needs. So yeah, okay, I, great. I'm sure there'll be other people out there who are just as nerdy as me and want to know the answers to those things. <laughs> Wicked man. All right, dude. Well, well, thanks very much. And uh, yeah, I hope the recording isn't. I hope nothing goes wrong in the recording. I hope it all. Uh, I'm sure it'll be fine. So yeah. And then I'll, I'm just waiting for my invite to the the backyard jam. Oh yeah, the fact, yeah. Well, I'll put a barbecue out in the summer. Bring right, some sausages cool. and some beers. Let's do it. And then I'll print I'll print you a pro t shirt for it. Jake Jake Blades Ely. Right. <laughs> just, yeah. You do know from now on. That? From now on, whenever I see you, I'm addressing you as Blades. That's it. You don't. You're no longer Jake. I'm happy with that, man. Right. Cool. Yeah. I've had worse nicknames. <laughs> Yeah, funny that. Right, let's cut it there. Speak soon. All right, dude. Cool. Catch you later, man. Bye.